0: Presented by AT and T. Connecting changes everything.
1: Hello, and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese,
0: and I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Caesar salad.
1: Yes. And it's a very fun one, and I have a craving where I didn't anticipate necessarily having a craving. Oh, yeah. Oh, I knew. Oh, I knew it was coming. I love mm. a Caesar salad. I I love a good one, and I feel like mm-hmm. I put that specifier on there because when I think of Caesar salad, and I know some people are going to roll over when they hear this, I think <laughs> of um, Red Lobster. Okay. Because they have that option when you got a meal, you had like three salad options. Mm-hmm. And one was a Caesar, and because—oh, people are going to be really mad. So, um, <laughs> no, but because they the dressing they used was much more mayonnaise-based than I think a traditional
0: sure. Caesar is. Well, you're just making fresh mayonnaise when you make a Caesar dressing, kind of, sort of. So,
1: But it was kind of like that much goopier oh, like, sure. ranch yeah, yeah, yeah. version, oh, like drenched mm-hmm. over it. Um, and it also had onions, like, big pieces of onions that were, like, hmm. really Ford <laughs> in their <laughs> flavor profile. I love onion, but, like, a lot in, in yeah. the balance might not have been there. <laughs> so I can I can understand, and I know that is not what a, a Caesar can be, what it is, but that's sort of been my <laughs> Sure.
0: Now that's okay. What, whatever. Hey, that's all right. Yeah. We all we all come by our Caesar salad in our own way.
1: We do, uh, but I did recently have a really good one <laughs> um, because, yeah. uh, well, this is going to date it. It's not that recent, but time is whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. When Obama came to town, he went to a place and got a Caesar salad. Oh sure, right. And then everybody wanted it, and it's actually right near me, and so I went and got it, and I was like, "Yep, this is really good." That's really good. <laughs> yep. Ah, I see. Mm-hmm. Uh we've had this one kind of on the back burner for a while. Was there any particular reason um, came to mind? Gosh, I think I was I think I was just trying
0: to okay, um I was I was looking for a salad topic because salad topics tend to be kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um like like sort of sort of weird little little semi-recent back histories. Um, and also, uh, our dear friend Cody, friend of the show, um, uh, has a thing where like they mostly only eat salads during the summer. They're like, well, mm. that's it. Like not interested in any other food. So here's my salad summer. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and when I, I don't know, like Caesars are one of the first salads I think of when I think of a salad. Cause I'm a huge sucker for like nostalgic mid-century steakhouse kind of cuisine,
1: Yeah, uh, which we have. We've talked about salad before. um, Mm -hmm. And we've talked, I feel like we talked about Cobb salad. And we also talked about the wedge uh, when we did our um, iceberg lettuce episode. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them do kind of have that like old steakhouse thing. And then there's always a celebrity connection somehow. Oh, yeah, always. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. but, But I was surprised to learn, too, that your friend Cody is not way off. A lot of people do... Seemingly associate Caesar salad with summer.
0: (laughs) Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, Well, uh, July 4th, as it happens, is National Caesar Salad Day. Um, It is. I don't think it has anything to do with that, but... um.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no.
0: But still, I I can
1: see it. I also, I love a good salad in the summer, so I'm right there. Uh. Right. Crisp (laughs) and
0: refreshing. Yeah. Oh,
1: yes, the balance of, like, textures and flavors. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well... Speaking of, I guess that brings us to our question, Caesar salad. What is it?
0: Well, a Caesar salad is a type of cold salad that can be composed uh, a bunch of different ways. But you're basically looking at a base of crunchy romaine lettuce dressed in a like rich but bright, savory, creamy, salty, tangy dressing and topped with a shaved or ground Parmesan cheese crunchy croutons, and cracked black pepper. The effect is, like, kind of indulgent, but in this, but in this, like, light fun sort of way, because you're you're getting these, like, two different crunchy textures from the lettuce and the croutons, and then two different creamy textures from the dressing and the cheese, and then these little bursts of, like, piquant black pepper. Yeah. Um, it's often served as an appetizer or a side dish, um, especially with heavier mid-century kind of French-inspired American meals. It is a steakhouse classic. Um, it's thus considered to be a little bit like maybe basic or at least nostalgic in the U.S. But a good one can be so good. Like they say that you don't make friends with salad. But but I sort of disagree on this one. Like you can make friends with a Caesar. <laughs>
1: Good friends, like a brunch friend.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. There is some disagreement about the correct way to make a Caesar, as you might have gathered from Annie's sort of fear (laughs) of judgment. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, Like, uh, should the romaine leaves be served whole or chopped? Uh, Should the croutons be seasoned with herbs or garlic or, or, or neither? The dressing is really the crux of it, though. What you're... Again, basically looking at is um, either lemon or lime juice, Worcestershire sauce, garlic, Parmesan cheese, and salt and pepper, all bound together and made rich and creamy using an egg yolk and like maybe a little bit of prepared mustard like Dijon. Some recipes may involve uh, oil and or vinegar too. And often there's going to be some like extra savory salty influence from whole anchovies that are blended into the dressing mix but people love arguing about this. Oh, We're yes. going to get into some of that in the history section. The original is said to have been made tableside um with a like loose dressing coming together on the spot, but more modernly we usually pre-make the dressing to ensure that it's fully emulsified. That is that the uh, the oils and the and the watery components are playing nice and not separating so that all of the flavors and textures of the dressing like evenly coat the leaves so that you get a little bit in every bite, yeah? And that's because, okay, lettuces like romaine um, have this like microcoating of waxy stuff that helps them not get sogged down by rainwater. Water just runs right off the leaves. You've probably witnessed this when you've washed a lettuce leaf. But oils will adhere to that waxy coating. So by making sure that the watery elements of the dressing, like like lemon juice and Worcestershire, are properly bonded to your, your oil elements... The whole salad will play nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> egg yolk contains both fats, your oils, and stuff that helps with emulsification. Um, mustard contains different emulsifiers, um, mucilage that can help as well. I'm not going to tell you that there's a right way to do it.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Because then, of course, there are also all kinds of riffs, you know, like different greens. Maybe you want arugula in there or, or an endive. Maybe you want to grill the romaine before you put it down. Maybe you want to serve it in a wedge. I can't tell you. Maybe you want a different crunchy element instead of croutons. I've seen a fried chickpeas offered up. That Mm -hmm. sounds great. (laughs) Um, Maybe you want uh, other protein like a grilled chicken or a shrimp. Toss some tomatoes or avocado on there. I don't know. Start your dressing with prepared mayo instead of a fresh egg. I can think that you're wrong, but I cannot tell you what to do. (laughs)
1: i see
0: (laughs) (laughs) no no no. there's there's nothing wrong with taking shortcuts and there is nothing nothing wrong with adding your own (laughs) flair
1: yeah flair yeah but it's also fun to fight about it sometimes i get it yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) well what about the nutrition oh it really depends on how you make it on its own the classic recipe isn't really that heavy, like unless you really overdo it on the Parmesan. Prepared dressings, however, that are like bottled and sold to to restaurants or to consumers tend to be pretty heavy on oils, which are nutritionally dense, um, and also on salts, which we can overeat. So like watch your portion sizes, depending. Um, Either way, you know, probably pair with a protein that isn't cheese to to help keep you going. (laughs)
1: I both agree with you and I'm not happy that I can't just eat more cheese, but yes, you are correct. Um, I mean, if you want
0: to pair it with more cheese, again, I cannot stop you mm. like that. I would not and cannot, so <laughs> I support your decisions. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime.
1: We do
0: have some numbers for you. Okay. According to YouGov.com, um, which collects data like this, 98% of Americans have heard of Caesar salad. Including 100% of baby boomers. Um, it is furthermore liked by 75% of us and only actively disliked by 9%.
1: Wow. Like at um, Caesar salad.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Caesars are so ubiquitous that they were chosen for this research that was published in 2023 about the, the the sustainability options of salad packaging. They chose to focus on Caesar because it was so ubiquitous and so like basic four element kind of thing. Like you've got the the lettuce, the dressing, the croutons, and the cheese. And they were like, we can track this. That's mm-hmm. trackable they identified 151 unique ways to package the ingredients for a Caesar for consumer sale. Dang. <laughs> yeah. And just to very basically sum up, those bagged salad kits and anything that comes in a flexible bag really are actually less impactful than any kind of plastic clamshell packaging. If you've ever wondered about that, and I have. So I here have you go. Mm-hmm. Choose flexible bags, I guess. Mm-hmm. We have some Guinness records for you. Okay. Um, the Guinness record for the most Caesar salads made in an hour was achieved in 2010 in Arizona. The chef, Bob Bloomer, Blummer, made 108 salads in that time period. He actually made 110, but two were disqualified. One because it was underweight and one for having to be replated.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Strict. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, you know, you can't mess around.
1: That's true. <laughs> You can't. Trying to get a Caesar salad record, you can't mess around. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then the Guinness record for the largest Caesar salad was achieved in 2007 in Tijuana, which is the salad's birthplace. Uh, Spoiler alert. Um, 160 people helped make the salad, and it weighed 3.287 metric tons, which equals about 7,246
1: pounds. No. (laughs) I can't fathom <laughs> it. I can't. I can't. It's too much salad. <laughs> it's so much salad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been spoiled, but we will go into the history of the Caesar salad. Oh
0: yes, we will. Uh, but first, we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. <laughs>
2: Zumo play,
1: And hey, we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
2: Yes, thank you.
1: So, yes, a lot of people think that the name Caesar salad comes from Julius Caesar. I believe I've thought that at one point in my life.
0: Oh, sure. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Like anchovies,
1: but- <laughs> Caesar. I don't know. It matches. <laughs> it does, right? That's easy peasy. Uh, but this is <laughs> not true. It comes from... Cesar Cardini, Cesar Cardini, who was born in Italy in 1896. Um, Information about his early life is scarce, but sometime in the 1920s, he immigrated to North America. A 1919 ad about the grand opening of a joint venture restaurant had his name attached to it. This is like literally sleuthing clues together. Um, Yeah, yeah. uh, And uh, he was one of the two of this venture, which indicates that he was in Northern California at the time, where the restaurant was located, though the ad also mentioned that he had worked in San Francisco previously. But Okay. Yes, within the next few years, he made his way to San Diego, where he opened a French restaurant. And then, when Prohibition was enacted in the U.S. in 1920, Cardini opened a restaurant in Tijuana, Mexico, where he could serve alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yes. The location was purposely chosen, too, because it was close enough for well-off Southern Californians to get to it if they wanted to have something to drink um, or or other things. Uh, The Los Angeles Times once named Tijuana the city that was Vegas before Vegas. Mm -hmm. But It was a place where Californians and celebrities went to escape and indulge and drink and gamble. Um, And it was here. The Caesar salad was born. So the legend goes. Yes. Yes, and quite a legend it is. (laughs) Um, According to Cardini's daughter Rosa, the salad was invented on July 4th, 1924. It goes that the restaurant was slammed with Americans, and thus the kitchen was low on several ingredients. Cardini gathered what he had, uh, lettuce stalks, eggs, croutons, parmesan cheese, olive oil, and Worcestershire sauce, Mm -hmm. um, Mm. and came up with a dish. It was originally intended as a finger food uh, that was made table-side to add flair, and I'm sure make it seem fancier. That also feels like a very steakhouse thing to oh, me. Yeah. hmm hmm mm-hmm. And people fell in love with it. I mean, it is a good marketing technique. You see it, you're like, oh, I want that. It's... Right over there. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They're making it right there. It looks so fancy. I want to taste that. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the, so the dressing would be made table side and then served either over, like, the, the tips of the leaves and you would grab the stem or as, like, a kind of dipping situation. I think more that first thing. But, yeah, anyway.
1: Yes, yes. And also, of course, there are alternate versions of this tale. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One is that it wasn't Caesar who came up with any of this, but his brother Alessandro Alex Cardini. Uh, Alex was a fighter pilot during World War I, um, but came to help out with his brother's Tijuana restaurant after that. And he ended up connecting with a group of American airmen who came in one night as a, a fellow pilot. He wanted them to have a good time and enjoy the restaurant, so he pulled together a finger food dish based on what he could find in the kitchen Pretty much what we described listed earlier, um, but with the addition of anchovies. Hmm. Yes. And he called his creation, so the story goes, Aviator's Salad. (laughs) And the salad was popular. And when Alex left to open his own restaurant, Caesar didn't wait to give it his own name.
0: (laughs) Oh, Mm. yes.
1: That's what Alex says. (laughs) Um, Yet another theory suggests. It was an employee at Caesars Restaurant named Livio Santini, who was also an Italian immigrant, uh, and he came up with the recipe based on something his mom used to make. There's also two other stories <laughs> that don't really get talked about much, but I was like, wait a minute. Um, oh, where yeah. a mobster and a former business partner might have also been behind the separately, not together, uh, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. far as I know. <laughs> yeah, Oh, you never know. But who? whoever did it? It was a very, very popular dish, and it gained such popularity that it became a tourist draw on its own. Julia Child wrote about her 1920s visit to the restaurant and ordering the salad, uh, quote, Caesar himself rolled the big cart up to the table, tossed the romaine in a great wooden bowl, and I wish I could say I remembered his every move, but I don't. It was a sensation of a salad from coast to coast, and there were even rumblings of its success in Europe. How could a mere salad cause such emotion? hmm um, It was such a popular dish and spread to so many restaurants that Caesar's daughter copyrighted the recipe in 1948 until her death she was adamant the true recipe didn't include anchovies.
0: Yeah and Julia backed her up, although it should like take it with a grain of salt like like Julia was I think in her 60s when she was writing about this experience that she had when she was 12. So yes, it's so. That's a situation. Mm-hmm. Not saying she didn't remember clearly. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure she also talked a lot about the like taking the moment with the salad, like when you're mixing it, like feel oh. the spoons against the bowl, like oh. having like an experience. That feels, you know, that feels very Julia. Yeah. Yes, oh, yes. That's sweet. because that was part of it. It was like kind of this experiential thing that was tied up with it. Was it got made tableside or yeah. yeah. Um. When the family relocated to Los Angeles, one of the ingredients switched out, which was fresh lime juice, for fresh lemon juice, um, which perhaps was because lemons were more available or perhaps was just a language mix-up. Yeah, because limon
0: in Spanish sounds like lemon in
1: Mm -hmm. English. Yes. Also of note, the oldest detailed recounting of the salad from Caesar didn't pop up until 1952, several decades after it was first served. So... Once again, <laughs> it could be hmm. some things not remembered or mm-hmm. mixed up. Um, it included the generally agreed upon, the generally agreed upon ingredients: no anchovies, but pear vinegar and mustard, which both Alex and Rosa later went on to say, no mustard, definitely no mustard. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> uh, and Paris's International Society of Epicure announced in 1953 that the Caesar salad was the greatest recipe to come out of the Americas in 50 years. Wow. Which is so funny to me because a lot of people I do think believe it comes from Europe.
0: Sure, yeah. And it does
1: have, like, European influences for sure, but it's just kind of that That roundabout weird circular. Ways. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, like, I feel like that's a really harsh diss on America.
1: Oh Come on Like, now. Par- pardon. Pardon. The Caesar um, salad is good, but also hold up. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> okay,
0: may I introduce you to a really good hamburger?
1: Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. <laughs>
0: um, maybe some barbecue. Have you heard of barbecue, France? Mm. Maybe they hadn't. Anyway, mm-hmm. meanwhile, uh, Caesar's restaurant in Tijuana changed hands and over the course of the next few decades became kind of unsuccessful and sort of divey. And by 2009, they closed down. But a year later, local chef Javier Pasencia—I think I'm saying that right—yeah, uh, his his family restored its vibe and reopened it and brought back the tableside Caesar salad. Mm. So you mm. can, as far as I'm aware, you can go there to this day and go get one.
1: Oh, listeners, please, <laughs> if you have done it. Please let us know. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Yes. I definitely want a Caesar salad in my future. Mm -hmm, Um,
0: mm -hmm. I'm, like, planning where I'm going to get one.
1: Ooh, nice. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, that's what we have to say about the Caesar salad for now.
0: It is. uh, We do have some listener mail for you, though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. (laughs)
1: Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want
2: people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
1: Experience the music and her story.
2: Know this. I ain't no spy, girl.
1: Like never before. That's
2: my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered
1: for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
2: Zumo Play,
1: and we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
2: Yes, thank you.
1: And we're back with a listener. (laughs) (laughs) Mix salad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we've got some fun ones today. Um, Okay, Rose wrote. I forgot to tell you a quick Pokemon-related story. (laughs) A few years back when Pokemon Go, and a limited time when you could catch special regional-only Pokemon outside their region. Some very clever person or algorithm at Nintendo, U.S. Division is based on Seattle, put the far-fetched Pokemon at Kemonegi. The first morning of the event, Chef Soma arrived to Kemonegi to find tens of people hanging out in front of her shop. (laughs) By the second or third day, let's just say she was not amused anymore. (laughs) Oh no. Uh, (laughs) I love it. You know, we love a good Pokemon fact. Super producer Andrew, yes. Yeah. Especially.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's right because its name is Kamonegi in Japanese. So there you go.
1: Yes. This brought back the fond memory for me of my one time when I was coming home in a a lift and our friend Chandler, who's playing Pokemon Go, asked the driver to stop. He was like, "Uh, "It's a gym," and and the the driver, bless him, was like, "I don't see a gym anywhere." And I was like, "It's Pokemon Go." And then we because it's
0: invisible. It's an invisible gym. It's a Poke gym.
1: We had the most fun time trying to explain it to him, though. It was such a beautiful moment.
0: (laughs) Well, as long as he was game, that's really so lovely. He was. (laughs) Heck yeah! Heck yeah! Mm Oh, okay. Um, This next one has a bunch of Japanese in it, and I'm going to do my heckin' very best. All right, so here we go. EJ wrote, I'm the guy who made a hoshigaki, a dried persimmons, by asking the locals in my neighborhood in rural Japan. Since I last sent you guys an email, I've moved to Osaka, which you may have heard likes to call itself Japan's kitchen. I also have a couple of unfinished emails to you guys, which I'll try to summarize here. Okay, hoshigaki and kimchi. I tried making the hoshigaki again, but I wasn't able to replicate it as well as I did the first time. It could be the quality of the persimmon I got, or the quality of the urban air is less conducive for making hoshigaki. I had intended to give them away as Christmas slash New Year's gifts, but they were not very presentable. So as to avoid wasting perfectly good food, I mixed them in as a sweet component of the kimchi I was making from scratch. They added a nice distinct flavor and a nice contrast to the heat of the kimchi. Mangoes. There are kinds of food that we really like that's our go-to thing to order. Um, for example, I really like a uh, chicken karaage, and it'll probably hit the spot wherever I order it. However, there is usually a couple things that we love so much that we get really picky about it, and yet we still order it despite knowing that it'll probably disappoint. That, for me, is the mango. Even when I was a kid, whenever we'd travel abroad, I'd always get a mango smoothie or an ice cream, only to declare that it's not as good as the mangoes from the Philippines. You're so right. (laughs) Um, Okay. I once said I could never move to a country with bad mangoes. Well, now I live in Japan, a country not known for mangoes. However... In Japan, uh, Miyazaki Prefecture is known for its mangoes, and last week we went to a fruit parlor for a special Miyazaki Mango Parfait that they were only serving for eight days this year. It was 2,500 yen, which is like 18 bucks USD at the current exchange rate, but it certainly feels like 25 USD to those who live in Japan. It was a work of art. The mangoes were ripe and juicy. My partner, Eiji, Got a peach parfait made of uh, Daitoryu peach, literally President Peach. (laughs) Um, My verdict? If you like mangoes, the mango parfait gets an A. However, if you really love mangoes like I do, it's a B. We We also both agreed that the peach parfait was better. Anyway, I'm really writing about soba. I understand that things are limited, but Japan is more than just Tokyo and Kyoto. The three main varieties of soba aren't even from Kyoto and Tokyo. Japan has the Nihon Sandai Soba, the big three, uh, three great sobas. Uh, Okay, Onko Soba from the Iwate Prefecture, Togakushi Soba from the uh, Nagano Prefecture, and Izumo Soba from the uh, Shimane Prefecture. No one is really sure who designated these three as the big three of all soba varieties, but I'm predisposed to believing this list. Okay, so here we go. Um, izumo soba. Izumo soba is a cold soba like zaru, but in a round lacquerware called arigo? Hmm. Um, Its noodles are nuttier than other soba varieties because the husk is milled with the rest of the buckwheat. The way you eat izumo soba is different from other regions. The thing they're served in um, are stacked one on top of the other, usually three. You add your toppings: uh, nori, uh, grated radish, and/or green onions and pour the soba suyu on top of your first dish. After you finish the noodles, you pour the remaining suyu and toppings into the next bowl and add more toppings or suyu if you want. Finally, as they do in proper soba restaurants all over Japan, they will offer you um, some soba yu, the soba water. You mix it with a bit of uh, the suyu to taste and drink this warm soba yu to get all the possible nutrients out of the soba. As a bonus, here's what I had as a snack at Universal Studios Japan today. Uh, Green shell calzone with yakisoba and cheese. It is a calzone in the shape of a green shell of a Koopa from Super Mario, but the filling is yakisoba and cheese. It's a playful take on the uh, yakisoba pan, a yakisoba served in bread that looks like a hot dog bun. I guess it's the cheese that really makes it more calzone-like, it was a unique snack. I was not quite sure of uh, of what to, to make of the texture of the bread, but I enjoyed the yakisoba quite a bit, and uh, stretchy cheese is always fun to eat. It's a filling snack that hits the spot, especially when the other restaurants are already full. <laughs> As I mentioned before, I hope you two will be able to visit this side of the world sooner rather than later.
1: Oh, my oh goodness. us too. Oh my gosh. I mean,
0: oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. This little... Pun, this little bun of turtle shell shape is very cute. Thank is, you for sending yes. photographs. That's amazing. Um, it is
1: super cute. It is not a combination I would have thought of, but I bet it's
0: pretty tasty. I mean, right? I mean, put cheese in it, right?
1: <laughs> put cheese in it, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh. So cute. Noodles and bread, I'm down. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm making my way to Universal soonish. And I'm gonna see. I don't think the, the Super Mario World is open there, but I don't know that they have any food. But if they do, oh, okay,
0: all right, I cool. will
1: report back. Ooh, uh, fun!
0: I didn't even know that that was occurring, but that's exciting.
1: Yeah, I didn't yeah. know it was part of Universal, but I guess it is. Um. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you for all of this. Oh my goodness. Um, and I hope that I didn't mispronounce anything too, too terribly.
1: No, I think you did great. I don't know, but I feel like you did. Yeah, you don't know
0: anything about (laughs) Japanese, but thanks.
1: Yeah, and yeah, thanks for writing. A lot of people have written in about soba. I'm very excited because I still have my noodles. I haven't cooked them yet. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, this was very helpful.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a super brief rundown of soba that we did in that episode. Like there are so many varieties and I was and I got very overwhelmed and I was just like, these are the ways that it can be. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Um So all of these details are really beautiful and are making me hungry for things that I've never had before.
1: Yes. Agreed. And also, mm-hmm. I think you're spot on about your thoughts about mango where there's just yeah. some foods where you're like, I'm going to get it. But it won't be as good as I but know it, won't it can be. As be. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But you love it so much, you have to get it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, feel that. I do too. Um, well, thank you so much to both of these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media.
0: You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that
1: repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico.
1: Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it.
0: When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites.
1: No passport required for US citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
2: Zumo Zumo Play.